All right, guys, what's going on? Coach JC here, and you are watching or listening to the Win All Day podcast. Man, this guy right here, I'm super stoked to have my guest in the house, Pastor Paul. What's going on, my man? What's up? Yes. This is Pastor Paul, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in just a minute to introduce uh, who he is and what he's about, and you're in for a treat today. But before we go there, if you're a frequent listener, then you know we kick off every podcast with our winning confession. We actually do this at our church as well. This is ours, Pastor, right here. And if you're not a frequent listener, you can just repeat after me because it goes a little something like this. Today is my day. Nothing will get in my way of me being the best version of me. I am here on purpose. I have a purpose. I am strong. I am passionate. I am fearless. I choose faith. I am a winner. I will win and win all day. Man, we are super stoked that you are watching and listening today. And before we do get started, I just want to remind you that you are here on purpose and you do have a purpose. I don't know why you're watching today. I don't know why you tuned in or, or why you're listening maybe on iTunes, but I believe that today's podcast show in the next 20 minutes is going to radically change your life. So I'm here today with our special guest, this is my pastor, the pastor of Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the host of the Learning to Lead podcast, my man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Paul Doherty. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. Awesome, awesome, man. You pumped me up. Well, we actually do a winning confession out at our church as well. Yes, sir. And I've been doing this for years. I, I, I did this and I started this when I was down and out, wow. over $400,000 in debt, suicidal, wow. desperate, in a fight of my life to be a father. When I discovered, actually, in Victory's Bible School, Victory College, what it's called now, yeah. I discovered the power of your words and how you yes. build faith. And I remember Ron McIntosh said, man, just go say these crazy things. And I would just post scriptures and winning confessions around my room in a 600-square-foot apartment. When I was suicidal, and I didn't feel like it. And all of a sudden, I started to say these things. My situation got worse, but I started to get better. So a big part of this show and what we talk about, Pastor, okay. is faith and the power of your words. But we're not just doing this because you're on the show, but I like to do this. Oh, yeah. I like to do this in each podcast is I like to just open up in a quick word of prayer and yeah. um, people might be watching saying, well, we, of course you're going to do that. Pastor's on the show, <laughs> but we believe in the power of prayer. Come on, man. So let's just agree. Lord, we come to you right now. Father, Lord, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, Father, your unconditional love. Father, Lord, we thank you for our special guest, Pastor Paul. Father, you're going to give him the words to say, Father. Lord, I thank you for everybody watching or listening today, Father. You could touch their minds, their hearts, their bodies, Father, that their lives will never be the same ever again after this show. Lord, we choose every single day through the good times and even the challenging times to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Hey, let's jump right in, man. We are here in studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come on. Man, so here, here's how I want to start the show off. I, yes, could, I could talk about you all day. I could brag on who you are, the impact you have on so many lives, and of course, my life and your family, the impact that your dad's had on my life. But what I would love you to do, there's listeners listening right now from all different walks of life. Faith-based, yes, they may know who you are, but there's a lot of listeners from the fitness industry, from the personal development industry, from the business world that might say, who is this guy? So if you could just let us in the life of Pastor Paul, who are you? Where'd you come from? What are you about? Yeah, man. Well, first off, it's an honor to be on your podcast. I love you. Come on, brother. I love you and your wife, your daughter, and just your whole family. And I, I love your spirit. I love your positive heart, your 
just motivational um, encouragement. It's meant a lot to me. And even your testimony has inspired me and my testimony. So I'll share a little bit of my story for those of you that are watching, listening today. Um, like Coach JC said, I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, my dad was a pastor before I was born. Him and my mom started Victory Church here in Tulsa, Oklahoma yep. in 1981. Um, within the first few months, it grew to 2,000 plus people. It was one of the fastest growing churches uh, through the 80s. Um, that same year, they started a Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade, a Bible college, which you later on attended. Yep. Um, you referenced that earlier. And then later on, they, they started a camp um, about 40 miles from Tulsa in a town called Manford, right on Lake Keystone, a beautiful 200-acre uh, camp where you know boys and girls, teenagers could go during the summertime and, and have encounters with God. And then in the mid to late 90s, they started the Tulsa Dream Center. So uh, the Tulsa Dream Center is an outreach center in North Tulsa, about 15 miles from our main campus in South Tulsa. And it's in a very um, impoverished area. And yeah. my dad's heart was to really reach the poor people in our city and to change the crime rates and just bring hope and healing and give people a dream. Uh, hence the Dream Center, which we got from Matthew Barnett, Tommy Barnett, who did the same thing in Phoenix, Arizona and Los Angeles, California. So as a kid and as a teenager, I grew up in this world of um, just being at church every single week, uh, multiple times a week, there when it opened, there till it closed, um, and volunteered in children's church, volunteered in the youth group, volunteered in Sunday school, everything, you know. Uh, and I had to go as a kid, but as I got older, I wanted to go. And I truly desired, that's where, we're, that's where I found faith, that's where I found friends, it's where I felt like I was coming alive was um, getting involved in the local church. So I felt like my parents didn't just force me to love the church. They showed me how the church could be a place that I could love. Yeah. And I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with um, serving in my local church, helping people win in life. I loved seeing people um, coming with a hardened heart, uh, discouraged by life, teenager friends that I had that were atheists, turned off to God hated religion, didn't want to have anything to do with the church, but then they would be introduced to this community of people that just showed love and just encouraged you. Um, and it was addictive and people would come back and their heart would be changed. And then they'd go with our, our church on a missions trip. And so um, growing up, I went through all these different, you know, encounters with God. But at the same time, I had, I had my secrets, my sins, my areas in my life that I kind of kept hidden from God. Hidden you from did? My parents. Yeah, man. The pastor? <laughs> what? Man, I um, I was so afraid that, you know, I would be rejected if I told my parents that I was struggling with lust and I was struggling with addictions and um, had just crossed boundaries with my girlfriend. And, and I was kind of a girl crazy guy. I, I could never be single. I was always dating a girl, always like liking a girl. And Look uh, at you, of course, man. Look how whatever. pretty this guy is. <laughs> so through all of that, you know, I came to a, a moment where I had to just, I really had to have a personal surrender to Jesus. And I didn't even realize that I loved church and I loved Jesus, but I wasn't truly, I don't think I was truly surrendered to Jesus. I think I just loved, I loved the idea yeah. of, of being a Christian, but I don't know if I was truly surrendered because I was still kind of doing what I wanted to do. And uh, when I was 18 years old, um, I just was totally humiliated. My girlfriend dumped me. 
Um, before she dumped me, I found out she had been cheating on me and uh, like everything I owned one, one night, literally one night, someone broke into my car and I had left everything in my car that night, my wallet, my phone, um, I mean, just all kinds of stuff that I owned. Someone broke in and stole all of it, messed up my car. And I had like worked hard mowing lawns to, to buy that car. And I just realized in, in that same week, my girlfriend dumps me. So, I mean, every bad thing that could happen, I kind of felt like Job in the Bible, you know, naked, I came into the yeah. earth, naked, I shall leave. And people might be laughing because they're like, man, that's not that bad. You know, you don't know what I've walked through. But I think all of us face moments in our life where we lose things. We lose people. Um, and I think this was kind of a preparation moment for the day that my dad would die. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but when you walk through loss of any type of loss of something that meant something to you or someone that meant something to you, it's really a test in your heart of where's your foundation? Like, where's your happiness? What is your, what is your heart tied to? Is it tied to a girl? Is it tied to your parents? Is it tied to a job? Cause what if that job, what if you get fired tomorrow? Or what if that girl dumps you? Or what if your parents pass away? sooner than later you know are you going to lose your faith you're going to lose your happiness or are you going to be able to get up and keep moving on with life and and choose to be happy well, so, so let's pause there for a second yeah because i mean I, I think what you just said is absolutely crucial and important i felt led that there's somebody watching right now and you say yeah, you have a word on your shirt and this is the word that comes to me is hope Come on. right I, I feel like there's people listening and watching right now that listen to your story and you said something about, man, it, it, it might not seem that bad. You know, I don't, you might be saying, well, what, what you have no idea, pastor, what I'm going through right now. Yeah. There's somebody listening right now that might be suicidal, yeah. might be going through a uh, struggle physically in their body, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Um, what, what do you say to that person that gets caught up when their identity is something. in something or someone or yeah. past mistakes or failures or a job. Because like you said, when that's taken, you have no idea who you are. Yeah, so talk to that for a moment, how, yeah. where your identity comes from and why this is absolutely important right now for the listener right now to understand what their true identity is in life. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think if your identity is in anything except Jesus Christ, at some point that's going to crumble. And that's what happened to me when I was 18. Um, that, that night where all of that stuff was taken, it was lost. I was so mad at that girl that, you know, broke my heart and I was crushed and I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. It was, it was like the worst year of my life, my senior year. I thought everything was going to be good and nothing went right. Uh, our basketball team lost every game. I missed every shot, uh, that year that I should have made. I felt like the biggest failure at the end of my senior year. I just, honestly, I was like, I'm a failure. I have failed. I can't even have a girlfriend. She wants to be with another guy. I just felt like the biggest loser. And that night I remember just crying and like breaking before God. And obviously I can't see God. He's not like visible, but I had this moment where I felt his presence in my bedroom and I'm crying. I just said, God, I want to know you for, for like, I want to know you. I don't want to know my parents relationship with you. I want to know you for myself. And I want to surrender whether I ever feel your presence or see you in my life, or you do another miracle. I have nothing else to stand on because nothing else is stable. You know, all other ground is sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock I stand. And that night I really did surrender to Jesus and put my identity in him. Little did I know that within five years, um, I would graduate college. I'd be serving in our church and I'd get a phone call from my mom. And she'd say, you know, come to the hospital. Your dad is here and he's not doing well. And I remember 
being shocked because my dad had never gone to the hospital except for to pray for people uh, because he was a pastor and he led this amazing church, 11,000 people a week, came to Victory, uh, one of the biggest churches in Oklahoma, one of the biggest churches in America, uh, this amazing Christian school, 450 employees, and all of a sudden, my hero, my dad, my pastor uh, is in the hospital and he's sick. And I show up to St. John's Hospital and I hear the nurse come in and she say, you, you have lymphoma cancer. And I just lost it. I was like, what? How could this happen? I'm the youngest of four children. All my older siblings were in the room. We're all bawling, you know, and my dad's trying to calm us down, telling us not to worry. He's going to live. He's not going to die. He's going to survive cancer. He's going to beat it and he's going to get healed. Um, and man, like my faith was starting to crumble. But again, I had to go back to that moment when I was 18 and say, no, no, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground is sinking sand. God, I don't know how, but I believe we're going to get through this. And I had faith that God was going to heal my dad. Um, but again, I had to walk through that whole situation to realize sometimes we don't get our prayers answered, but that doesn't mean that God is not real or God is not good. Oftentimes things just don't make sense in life. Uh, and if you go through life asking questions about every single bad thing that happens to a good person, you're going to live your whole life with anxiousness, stress, confusion, frustration. At some point, you just have to leave question marks out into the abyss and go, I'm moving on. Um, and I'm still going to believe in God. And I'm still going to trust God, even though I don't understand life and, and how life works out. Because literally eight weeks later, after that diagnosis, my father went to be with the Lord. Uh, passed away November 22nd, 2009, three weeks after my wife and I had just gotten married and went on our honeymoon. The last thing he did publicly was marry uh, me and my wife. He did our wedding. Uh, he was battling. He had just got done chemotherapy for cancer. Um, and when he passed away, man, I remember that night in the hospital hearing God say, serve your mom, serve the church and get ready because you're going to pastor these people. I was 23 years old. The staff was at that point, 500 people because yeah. we had to staff our school. Um, which was the majority of those staff members was in the kindergarten through 12th grade school. We have an early learning center for childbirth to five years old. So, you know, I'm thinking in, in my mind, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to lead a staff of 500? How am I supposed to lead a multi-million dollar organization, a church, a camp, a Bible college, a Christian school, a Tulsa dream center, five different entities. And, and then I was thinking, no, God, you, you got the wrong guy. You got to choose my older sister, my older mm. brother, my older brother-in-law, uh, who's a great, you know, preacher. I'm inadequate. I'm unworthy. I'm too young. You know, I had all these excuses. And a lot of times in life, Coach JC, I think people disqualify themselves from God's plan because they get focused on what they don't have. But God picks imperfect people. Yeah, God huge. picks the most unlikely, inadequate, unworthy, incapable people to do what he's called people to do. When you look in the Bible, he chose Gideon, who was the weakest in his clan to, uh, you know, deliver the Israelites. Moses, who had a stuttering problem. Joshua, who was the son of none. Nobody knew who his dad was. Uh, you know, Esther, she's just this pretty girl who was left by her parents. And yet she ends up delivering the Jewish people. Um, so there's so many, you know, stories. And God was saying, Paul, I don't call the qualified. I qualify those who I call. Wow. And, Come on. Um, and so time went on and I just decided to keep that word from God to myself. I didn't want to manipulate or decide what was going to happen. 
And within a year, my mom had been leading the church. She kind of picked up the baton when my father passed. Um, and she felt like she was supposed to do that until God showed her and the board what was the right next step to make. Um, and they sought a lot of counsel, asking different businessmen in the church, you know, what, what advice to, to, to take as a church, what direction to go. And everybody in the church felt like my mom should be leading it until there was a decision of who would step in one day as the pastor. And sure enough, I didn't even know this, but my dad had told um, some of the board members, when Paul gets a little bit older, my youngest son, I, want, I feel like he's got something inside him to lead the church. And when I heard that, you know, I'm like crying. I'm like, he never told me that, but he would always make hints to me like, Paul, you're going to help me lead this church. And I loved preaching, pastoring. I loved serving our youth and our college ministry, but I had no desire to be yeah. involved with big adults. Because in my mind, I was like, I like college kids, I yeah. like teenagers. I can have fun. I can say crap. I can, you know, get away with certain things. But when you start pastoring the adults, more like grown up people, you got to be more conservative. You got to wear a suit and tie, you, yeah. gotta, you know, and I felt like I had to wear my dad's shoes. I felt like I couldn't be myself. Um, five years went by of my mom leading the church. And when I was 28, I stepped in as the pastor and the president of Victory um, Ministry. And so I oversaw all those five parts of the organization. And I, I really did try to be my dad for a short season. I wore suits. I wore shoes like he wore. There's nothing wrong with suits. But I'm just more of like a jeans and a, uh, I, I just don't always wear a suit. It's not always me. And I felt like there was a moment where someone came and they handed me a pair of shoes and they said, it's time for you to start wearing your own shoes. Mm. And I literally had been wearing my dad's shoes because my mom gave me a pair of my dad's shoes after he died. And so um, that day I remember having this epiphany like, okay, it's time to just lead from the most authentic version of me. And it's going to be a journey. I don't think I've fully stepped into the most authentic version, but I felt the permission to start being more original and stop trying to be a copy. Wow. Dad, so. so that's powerful, man. First of all, let's pause there. Thanks for sharing that. But sure. I want you to address for a second. I think there's a lot of people that never walk into a church building or they will grew up in church like you, like me, but now they've turned their back and walked away because of church being such a religious mm thing. Yeah. Right. And I know for me, it took me and me growing up, it was very religious yeah. or Roberts came to my church and everything was very structured and very religious. Like yeah. everybody wore suits. If you don't wear a suit to Sunday church, that was yeah. wrong. Um, and that's not what we're about at victory. Right. Right. And, right. and I think there's a lot of people that I've, that I interact with every single day, pastor that I'm like, man, where do you go to church at? Well, I don't go to church because I was hurt. I don't go to church because I'm going to be judged. I don't go to church because of this, this, this. And I know for me, it took me hitting rock bottom for me to surrender yeah. when you talk about surrender. And then I realized, wait a second, it's not about church. Yeah. It's not about being judged. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. So talk to the person right now that says, man, I walked away from church. I'm not going to church. I don't want this religion thing, yeah. right? Why does victory have people from all walks of life? I usher, I help volunteer. Oh, yeah. I interact with a lot of these people. I'm talking every from all walks of life, yeah. we get people through our doors. Yeah. Why, why is that? Why do, what do we do to make people feel welcomed? And we're not saying we condone every behavior, yeah. but it's a place of love. It's yeah. a place of unconditional love yeah. and acceptance and yes. hope. And I believe every time when you walk through the doors that your life's going to be radically changed. But if you don't walk through the doors, we can't reach you. Yeah. So what, what it, talk to us about the difference between religion and what victory does. 
well, I think religion drives people away from Jesus. Um, but relationship drives people towards Jesus. And Jesus hung out with sinners. He was friends with sinners. And he never condoned the sin, but he never rejected the sinner. Uh, he, you know, he invited the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the people that cheated people out of their money, greedy people and you know, sexually addicted people and lustful people. He invited everyone to the table. And he didn't say, hey, change your behavior, and then you can eat with me. He said, come and eat with me. And over time, their behavior would change by the love of Jesus. And my dad and mom really modeled that for me growing up. They just loved everyone. Um, they never rejected someone because they were gay or because they you know, maybe thought they were born a man, but they wanted to be a woman. Uh, and in this day and age, so many people are confused about their identity, about their sexuality. So many people are abused. Uh, grew up in a home where they were either molested or raped or, or they walk through, you know, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, and they're carrying all this baggage and we don't know people's stories. And so we can't judge people for where they're at right now. The best thing we can do is love them. Never, ne you know, never walk away from the truth of God's word, but you can't hit people with truth over yeah. the head and expect people to change. So I think you share the truth, but then you just, you know, exude love. And that's what we do at our church. So, you know, um, every week I run into new people that are facing different things and they know where I stand, but they know they are always loved by me and by our church. Yeah. Same with you. That's one thing I love about you, Coach JC, is that you bring people in to belong before they believe and to turn them into someone that feels accepted first um, before they change their behavior and to know that, hey, there's a seat for you right here. Um, whatever you're struggling with, you know, we don't agree or condone, you know, your behavior, but we're not going to reject you. There's a place yeah. where we still love you. You can come and hang out with us, you know. Well, I, you know, you said something. I think it's very simple. Be quick to love, slow to judge. Yeah. Right. I remember when I was face down, desperate, and your dad played such a, a, a huge role in my life, really. He kept, probably kept me alive at that time, you know, him and a few other people. I would show up to Bible school, but I was suicidal. I was down and out and I would put that smile on. And I remember how people had no idea what I was walking through. Mm. They had no clue what I was walking through. And I looked good up from the outside and I put this front on, and then I'd leave Bible school and I'd be weeping in my car thinking about committing suicide. And I think that's a constant reminder as humans that we need to remind ourselves, you have no idea who you're crossing paths with today. Yeah. You have no idea. It doesn't matter their status. It doesn't matter how much money they make. It doesn't matter when I'm in church, what they look like. That person, one word you say, one act of love, one co uh, gift of kindness to them could be the difference in their life. Yeah. So I always am reminding myself that people treated me that way when I was suicidal at my down lowest point. Mm. And every single day, everywhere I go, Pastor, I'm just like, who am I going to interact with? Who's going to be put in my life today? One word. It doesn't matter if I'm at the chiropractor, the gym. It doesn't matter if the gas station or church. Yeah. I think as humans, we have to take a step back and be less to judge, yeah. knowing that you have no idea what that person, they might be a yeah. jerk on the outside. Yeah. They might come across a jerk, but you know what? Deep down inside, it's probably a front because deep down inside, they're going through hell yeah. and they need love. They need hope. And so that's just a motto I live my life by, man. Yeah. And, and I know that's what our church stands for. I know that's what you stand for. Yes. Um, so what do you say to that person right now that says, okay, pastor, I'm listening. You walked in, you, 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 you took over a multi-million dollar church, all these employees. Now you're running a business, right? What did you do over the last five years yeah. to become a leader 
what's the thing? You're running a leadership podcast right now and it's awesome. And you get to interview and we interview learning to lead on iTunes and you interview some of the biggest names, not just going to be interviewing you soon, baby, not just in the faith-based world, but outside the faith, pro athletes, everybody. What do you say to the person that says, what'd you do? Give me some things you did to lead. I'm out there and I'm trying to lead an organization and I struggle with that. And you walked through it. I saw you, man, for five years. <laughs> I mean, still walking through it. <laughs> I mean, it was a stressful time at times. You, you learn from being in the trenches. But give us some practical leadership things that you did that you think could help the listeners right now. Yeah, honestly, I, I sought advice. Yeah, you know, I think you never go wrong asking for advice, asking for help. And so I would go and ask people who were in my shoes that were leading a church of the size of Victory with a school. Bible college. And I would ask people who um, weren't just leading the church. I would ask uh, successful businessmen, you know, like yourself, I'd say, you know, what, what are you doing to make yourself better? How are you leading your employees? What's the right way to fire someone, to hire someone, to correct someone when they drop the ball? What if they drop the ball 10 times? At what point do you move an employee on? You know, I, cause I'm thinking I'm young and I don't want to mess this thing up. I don't want to, you know, turn this ship the wrong way. I don't want to create a lackadaisical atmosphere where people just get away with any type of, you know, work ethic. But I also don't want to be this hardcore, like, dictator, you know, because some young guys come in and they just mess things. They try to make yeah. so many changes. And I heard horror stories of young pastors taking over their parents' ministry or taking over a predecessor's ministry and just running the church into the ground. I was like, Lord, I don't want that to be me. I want to take this. I believe God is a God that takes things from glory to glory, from strength to strength. He's a God of increase. He's not a God that, you know, decreases. So I think we have to tap into what are his laws of wisdom for us. And so honestly, like for me, I know it sounds cliche. Anytime I read the Bible, I get better. Anytime I'm reading Proverbs, I get wiser. Anytime I'm reading, uh, you know, any, any stories from the Bible, it just gives me wisdom on people and situations. Then I pray. So I take time to pray. Um, you taught me the, the power of just meditating, like being still, not reading anything, not yeah. writing anything, but just thinking. It's powerful. And so I do that almost every day. I'll take a long shower and I'll think through situations that I have to walk through that day. And I'll just, I'll just think through it. Like what's the best scenario here? Um, then I'll make a phone call once a week, typically to a, a wise older person, twice my age. And I'll say, Hey, uh, give me some thoughts or I'll text them. You know, Larry Stockstill is one of those guys for me. It's awesome. Or, or uh, Dr. Billy Wilson, I know where are you. I'll just say, hey, I'm walking through this. Um, so those are some things. I try to try to stay in touch with people as much as possible. I think, you know, sometimes people get so in their office and in their head and they kind of just become reclusive leaders. And I don't think that makes us better as leaders. I don't know, maybe Steve Jobs was reclusive and maybe that made him more creative. But I just feel like when we're around people, we get energized and Absolutely. We, we actually find out what our what our organization needs, whether it's taking people to lunch. So if you're a businessman or you're a pastor or you're leading a team of people, go be with the people. Uh, take them to lunch, take them to coffee, find out what's going on in their life, find out what they would like in the organization. Are they happy with their position? Would they like to be promoted or switched in the seat? And then giving them, you know, goals, giving yourself goals. Hey, here's what I'd like to do. I want to get here by this point. I want our school. So I gave our team goals and then I told them, make your own goals. And, uh, and they're running with it. And so we're seeing all of our ministries rise. And, and then what I had to get comfortable with is letting guys around me succeed 
and empowering them to just dream big and not be threatened by their success. Yeah. So I've got, I've got guys on our team. That Amazing are strong team. Leaders. Um, one of them is AJ. He's been on the podcast. He's I. <laughs> and, and AJ is such a strong leader and the insecure leader, uh, the insecurities that would try to rise up in me or in any leader that's leading a guy like AJ might feel threatened and go, you know, I can't let him rise above me. But what God, you know, said to me is Paul, if you'll let other people rise and let them run with what's in their hands, you'll grow too. And they'll help lift your arms up while they're succeeding and running and feeling empowered. And so I've seen that. And there's been times where I've had to, you know, let those insecurities in me die. Um, I had an interview with Stephen Furtick, who's a great preacher and someone who I've learned from a lot. And I just said, you know, what, what do you, cause he's a young pastor. I mean, I think he's 40, 41. I just said, you know, what have you learned leading in your thirties and what as looking back and even where you're at now, uh, as a leader of your staff and a leader of the church, what would you encourage me or other leaders out there? And he said, I think you have to embrace your insecurities. I think you have to realize that they're there. I think you have to address them. And he said, I think you have to learn to lead with your gaps, your flaws. And that was good advice for wow. me because I was trying to like hide it all and pretend yeah. like I'm like a perfect leader. But I've learned that, you know, the more that I embrace that, face that, confront that, and even open up with my team and say, hey, guys, you know, uh, here's something that I'm learning, growing, working through and asking them to pray for me or asking them, let's talk through this together. Let's learn together. It almost makes our team strong. Yeah. Instead of putting up fronts and acting like it's Halloween, we're always wearing masks and costumes and, and never sharing what we're actually walking through. Wow. And I've seen you do that. And I, and I think I mentioned to you when you walked through that and you kind of let it go, I mean, sermons went to a next level, church started growing even more. You were, you became more relatable and people started to realize, wait a second, pastor Paul walks through the same thing I'm walking through. I think that's what we do. So many times we, we idolize somebody, we put them on a pedestal, but we forget, well, coach JC went all day podcast. He must be perfect. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget when somebody was like, man, are you just perfect? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Let me tell you what I'm going through right now. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially with my, I'm like, my life's a mess behind the scenes. And I bet that helped him so much to hear you. It say helped that. him so much. But here's the thing I learned, Pastor. You mentioned some things in here, like getting, having your meditation time, praying, you know, getting in the Word of God, seeking wise counsel. I learned how not not to allow emotions any longer to dictate and determine what I do. Mm. When you understand and fully can get to uh, an understanding of the calling that's on your life, and I want you to talk about that as we wrap up this podcast, because I think there's people that say, man, we hear what you're saying, Coach JC, we hear what you're saying, Pastor Paul, but how do I really get that real genuine relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I'm empty right now, yeah. and I'm struggling, and I, and I yeah. wear the masks every week of the month or every, every day of the year, maybe not just Halloween, but how do I overcome that? How do I take that mask off, lift the weight? I talk to people every day that they're walking around weighted down. They have chains on because they're trying to live a facade of not who they are. And it's hard for me sometimes because I know what I did. Right. And I just want to, you know, spit it all at them. And I'm like, just do this, 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 and this, and it'll work. I'm telling you, but what would you say to the person right now that's going through a marriage, a marriage issue, financial issue, physically they're broken and they're just searching. They say they're showing up to the job every day, but deep down inside they're dying and they know, man, I have an amazing call on my life, but I don't feel that significance. I don't feel that purpose. I don't have that hope right now. And my life's just kind of a roller coaster and I'm putting a front on, I'm putting a show on. My family thinks everything's okay. Everybody thinks everything's okay. What would you say to that person man, that they could do right now? 
to not, not, not lead others, but lead themselves to really yeah. walk out their purpose and their calling on this earth. I think like becoming aware of, of where you're at is so important. My wife showed this to me this summer. Um, and I, I went through this thing called the Enneagram, which is like a test of discovering, you know, who you are and who you're not and the healthiest version of you and the unhealthiest version of you. And she, she shared this book with me called the road back to you. And it was by a guy who left the church who was burned out on religion and he needed to discover who he once was, who God had created him to be all along because he had kind of gotten lost, worn a mask and pretended to be someone he wasn't, pretended to have strengths that he didn't have. And so anyways, as I was reading it, I was like tearing up because I was thinking about moments in my life where I've done that, um, where I haven't been the healthiest version of me, where I haven't led myself um, while I'm leading others. And when you're leading others and you're not leading yourself, you're headed towards self-destruction because it just, it all catches up, right? And so I think the first step is just becoming aware, just saying, man, I'm not leading myself well right now. And if that's you, just own it. Like, don't deny it. Don't try to make excuses for it. Don't blame it on dad. Don't blame it on grandpa. Don't blame it on the generational curse or your husband or your wife. Just say, man, if I'm honest, I'm being led by my emotions, my feelings. I'm reacting. I'm angry. I'm short fused. I'm impatient. I'm giving into every, you know, fleshly desire that I feel own that. Like just say, that's, that's where I'm at right now, but that's not where I'm staying. And that's where you got to get holy anger, like holy anger. The Bible says there's actually good anger and bad anger. Good anger is where you get mad at where you're at in life. So mad, so, so holy angry that you go, I am not staying down in this pit any longer. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it, but I'm getting out of it. I'm facing where I'm at. I'm facing what I'm feeling, what I'm dealing with. And I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of wearing a mask. I'm tired of hiding my true feelings. Um, and maybe you're struggling with the sin right now. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you've been hiding it from your wife. Maybe you've been hiding it from your husband. It's time to face it. Own it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. And now let's get some holy anger and let's go after conquering that. And uh, I think we conquer it day by day. I couldn't conquer my depression like if I thought that I have to conquer this for the rest of my life, I was overwhelmed when I went through a depressing season after my dad passed. What I had to do is I'm going to win today. I can't win tomorrow. I can't win next week, but I can win today. So today, if I start to get depressed, if I start to uh, feel tempted to go do something I shouldn't do, I am going to remind myself that I have 24 hours, 24 hours to get something right today, to do something right. Go to the gym, go on a walk, go outside, Go write something. Do something positive with your life. Work on something other than that sin, other than that addiction. And if you win every day, seven days in a row, and then you fall on the eighth day, get back up, win another seven days in a row, maybe fall on the eighth day, get back up, win another five days in a row, maybe fall on the sixth day. All of a sudden, you'll start having these longer spurts where you're winning. You win 21 days, and then you might have a fall on the 22nd day. And I want to encourage you, the Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will get back up again. God doesn't abandon us in Come on. the process of breaking free of addictions, breaking free of depression, breaking free of strongholds. God doesn't abandon you. He just says, get back up, get back up and win the next day and the next day. And suddenly you'll get to a point where you're leading yourself and you're, you're going and you're getting help and you're getting stronger and you're waking up earlier and you're going to bed earlier and you're reading the Bible and you're praying and you're meditating and you're forgiving people that broke your heart 
and you're showing up to your job and you're putting in your best effort, you'll, you'll suddenly start to realize, man, I'm becoming a healthier me. And when you become healthier, everyone around you gets healthier. Great, great word, man. I love it. Man, we're so grateful you came and joined us today in studio. And, you know, the word that came to me just now is just consistency. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of people, they don't see the instant gratification, you know, maybe in their spiritual walk with God. Mm -hmm. So they've given up. You know, my encouragement for you today is get back in the word. It doesn't have to be five hours. You don't have to lock yourself in a prayer room or a prayer closet. One scripture a day. That's all. One scripture a day. You can do it on the Bible app, right? Come on. Right on the Bible app. And so what if they say, hey, I want to listen to Pastor Paul. I've had a lot of people that listen to your sermons online. They don't attend Victory. Yeah. We have a ton, thousands wow. of people that tune in every yeah, single true. Sunday YouTube channel. How can yeah. they find you and listen to more of your sermons and get yeah. fed? So you could just go on uh, Google, just type in Victory Tulsa, just uh, Victory, and then type in Tulsa. And then you could click over on videos. You'll see all of our sermons right there on the YouTube channel, Victory Tulsa. You'll also find our podcast under Victory Tulsa on iTunes. And then, like you said, I have a Learning to Lead podcast. If you go on iTunes and just type in Learning to Lead, it'll be one of the first ones that pops up right there. We've got a ton of interviews with NFL player like, you know, Adrian Peterson and then business guys. And we're going to have Coach JC on there here in the next month or so. And then we've got pastors and leaders. And so um, there's all kinds of content online. Thanks so much, Coach. Awesome, man. We're grateful for you. We thank you for everything you do. I'm not only for victory, but for the world, for Tulsa. Thank you for being on the Win All Day podcast. Hey, guys, all day. day. Hey, where'd that slogan come from? Exactly what you talked about, you know, understanding who you are, what you stand for, what you're about. And then all day is just uh, another saying for all things are possible. You know, and if you are struggling right now, I'm going to give you a free tool, free resource. Pastor Paul mentioned something that changed my life. It's the discipline consistency of winning the day in any area of your life. You want to win physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in a relationship, financially. Maybe you're trying to start a business. You can go to coachjc.com forward slash winning hour and you can get my free ebook where I actually put together my exact winning hour that I use still to this day that I started years ago that I honestly believe has helped me win and win all day. So you can go get that for free, coachjc.com forward slash win winning hour. So who loves you? I do. This is Coach JC. This is Pastor Paul and you listening to the Win All Day podcast and we'll get at you next time. Thanks for joining us today, guys.